Welcome to Word Journeys, a podcast about etymology and the surprising stories behind the origins of English words. This is Dallas, coming to you from Philadelphia, and this is Pantalone. He's wearing a tight-fitting red suit from head to toe, with a black cape, and he's hunched over, speaking toward an audience. What you're listening to is a performance of Commedia dell'arte, Italian for comedy of the profession, or comedy of art. It's a form of entertainment which originated in Italy and was popular from the 16th through the 18th centuries. Commedia dell'arte is seen as a precursor to many modern forms of physical comedy, and depictions of its ornately dressed characters and descriptions of its humorous plots can be found all over the place in the literature of the time. It also gave us some interesting English derivatives, one of which you might have on right now. In this episode, more about this peculiar art form, plus some digressions on fashion and proper names. So stay with us. First, let's dive into the history of Commedia dell'arte before we meet some of the characters. The art form originated in Italy in the 16th century, and its lightness and silliness was traditionally seen as a reaction against more serious theatrical forms of the time, particularly the miracle play or mystery play, a form of theater popular in medieval Europe, which depicted biblical scenes with musical accompaniment. One of the most distinctive features of Commedia dell'arte was its reliance on stock characters. These are characters with fixed attributes, personalities, and social positions, which don't change from performance to performance. This allows the audience to be familiar with the characters from the outset of each performance, analogous to sitcoms in modern TV. The presence of stock characters has led some scholars to try to trace a direct descent from Roman comedy and Roman farce, which also relied on archetypal characters, such as the arrogant soldier, the comic slave, and the hunchback. It seems more likely, however, that Commedia dell'arte arose independently. The characters wore masks, and their performances were wacky and foolish, somewhat scripted but also improvisational, and heavily relying on physical comedy. Each character had his own special bits or routines that were called lazzi, which could be deployed at any time, and were often used to liven up an audience or to cover for a performer missing a cue. It seems that there were four general types of stock characters. Servants, old men, lovers, and captains. And a typical plot, for instance, might revolve around two old men preventing their children, the lovers, from marrying. As this form of theater developed, it began to be performed more widely, and individual companies coalesced and began to tour Europe. The first of which was the Jealousy, the Jealous Ones, which formed in 1568. The Jealousy always had a company of ten. Two old men, four lovers, two servants, a captain, and a maid. And more distinct individual characters began to emerge from the character types. It was also notable that female roles were performed by women, something that English critics weren't fond of. In fact, some say the first actresses in Europe to receive acclaim were performers of Commedia dell'arte. These comic troops weren't always well received, however. Traveling Italian actors often competed with local actors for stage time, and their itinerant nature was also looked upon negatively. In England at this time, beggars and tramps were often called vagabonds, from a Latin word vagabundus, a form of the verb vagari meaning to wander. 
This is also where we get the word vagrant. There were a series of vagabond acts passed in England in the 16th century, meant to restrict itinerant people, including actors. Commedia dell'arte was dealt an especially harsh blow in France. In the late 17th century, Italian troops began performing more widely in France with the support of King Louis XIV. But over time, their popularity began to outstrip the popularity of French performers, which Louis considered threatening. In 1697, when the Italian actors announced they were putting on a play called The False Hypocrite, which mocked Louis's wife, he banned Italian actors from France outright. Commedia dell'arte began to decline around this time. In addition, the rustic local flavor of the original performances didn't play as well with wider audiences in other parts of Europe. The art form, however, immediately influenced other theatrical forms, such as pantomime and Italian comic opera. It had a long afterlife in art and literature, influencing French playwright Moliere as well as William Shakespeare, whose play The Tempest is thought to be heavily influenced by Commedia dell'arte. The clown as a comic figure is thought to have originated with the characters of Commedia, and even the physical comedy routines of Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton owe something to the improvisational acrobatics of the Italian troops. So, now that we've covered the background material, where are all the words? We'll get into the etymologies next. There are a number of character names from Commedia dell'arte which spawned English derivatives. Here's the first one. The Italian term for the generic servant-type character was Zani. The Zani were buffoonish. They had ridiculous walks, splayed-out stances, and were always taking things. And because of their antics and tricks, they became the origin of the English word zany. But where does the term zani come from? It turns out that it's a form of the proper name Johnny, but in the Venetian dialect, Johnny itself is short for Giovanni, which is the Italian version of Johannes or John. The name Johnny or zani was used much the same way as in English we would refer to it John Doe, a more or less random person from the countryside. The Zani had the most ordinary name possible, which is funny considering the modern English adjective zany means crazy, kooky, or ridiculous. Johnny is one of the many names in European languages that are variants of John. The English John comes from the Greek Ioannes, which is itself from the Hebrew Yohanan. Some common names today which you might not realize are variants of John are the following. Evan, through Welsh. Hans, a shortened form of the German Johannes. Ian, from Scottish Gaelic. Jack, as an English diminutive for John. Sean and Shane, from Irish. And Vanya, from Russian, just to name a few. There are also two specific characters who belonged to the Zani or servant class that are worth investigating more deeply. One is the character Pulcinella, whose name comes from the Italian word for rooster, supposedly for the character's abrasive voice and crooked nose. The Anglicization of Pulcinella was Punchinella, and his name was abbreviated to create the English character Mr. Punch, as in Punch and Judy. Punch's name is unrelated, however, to punching with a fist or punching a ticket. That word comes from the name of a piercing tool, the punchion, which itself comes from the Latin word punctus, meaning to prick. And both of those are still separate from punch the drink which comes from the Sanskrit word panka, 
meaning five nectars of the gods, which referred to a concoction made from five ingredients. The other influential servant character was Arlecchino, which anglicized to Harlequin, and lent its name to a separate English genre of pantomime called Harlequinade, as well as to the Harley Quinn character in the Batman comics, who shares Harlequin's black and red checkered outfit. The ultimate root of Arlecchino is unclear. One of the demons in Dante's Inferno is named Alecchino, and this is probably a variant of Arlecchino, but Dante likely named his character after the already existing Arlecchino. The more likely explanation is that Arlecchino is derived from the name of a demonic figure in passion plays, who was known as Herlequin, or Heliquin, and who chased down the souls of the damned. Heliquin's black face and demonic nature is thought to be a precursor to Harlequin's black and red mask. Heliquin is also posited to be connected etymologically to the Herleking, or the Erlkernig in German, a leader of the mythical wild hunt in Germanic folklore. Today, the word Harlequin as a noun can simply mean a jester or a buffoon, and as an adjective, Harlequin can mean multicolored, after the original costume. Remember Pantalone, the red onesied, black caped, greedy old man we met at the beginning? Pantalone is one of the most popular and well known characters from Commedia dell'arte. But where does his name come from? Pantalone's character was Venetian, and he was typically voiced with a Venetian dialect, like the Zani. He had a fairly standard name. Many Venetians in the 16th century were named Pantalone after Saint Pantaleon a very popular saint in Venice in particular. Pantaleon, it is told, was martyred during a mass persecution of Christians in 305 AD. In one story about him, several attempts by executioners to kill Pantaleon, including preparing a bath of molten lead, throwing him into the sea, throwing him to wild beasts, and binding him to a giant spinning wheel, all backfired. But in the end, Pantaleon took mercy on the executioners, and they all converted to Christianity. This is one story for the origin of his name, that Pantaleon came from the Greek roots pan and telemon, meaning all-compassionate, or that his name came from the Greek roots panta and leon, meaning all-lion for his bravery. Either way, Pantalone's name is ultimately Greek in origin. Pantalone's etymological afterlife is even more interesting. Pantalone's skin-tight red trousers were so distinctive that ankle-length trousers like his began to be called pantaloons, from an anglicization of pantalone. Pantaloons, as a style of dress, became more and more popular, especially by the working class during and after the French Revolution, and over time, the word pantaloons was shortened to pants, it took a while for the word pants to catch on, at least in America. It entered written English in 1835. And in 1846, Oliver Wendell Holmes wrote that, quote, pants was a word not made for gentlemen, but for gents. And that's the story of how, however surprisingly, our word pants came from Greek, passing through a silly old man in between. Finally, on the topic of pants, there are two more etymologies I want to share, both of which refer to places in southern Europe. 
One of the most widespread materials used to make pants today is denim, the material used in overalls and blue jeans. The word denim is derived from the French phrase serge de nîmes, which means serge, a type of fabric, from Nîmes, a city in southern France. Denim is most famously colored with indigo dye to create blue jeans, and the word jeans also is derived from another city. Just as denim came from Serge de Nîmes, jeans came from the phrase Jean Fouchon, Fustian, a kind of cloth, from Genoa, since Jeanne was the French name for Genoa. We'll end with our Cognate Corner segment where we consult the American Heritage Dictionary of Proto-Indo-European Roots and find some cognates of our weekly words. Cognates are the etymological equivalent of cousins. They're words which evolved separately from the same source. This week, we'll look into the Proto-Indo-European root genu, which can mean angle, bend, or knee. From this root, we get the Latin word genu, which means knee, and is the likely origin for Genoa, which I just mentioned. This name probably refers to the curve in Genoa's coastline. The root genu is also the source of the name of Geneva for the same reason. And the Latin genu is also the source of the English word genuflect, a fancy term for bending one's knee. The Proto-Indo-European root genu went into Greek as gonia, meaning angle or corner, and that's where we get such English words as diagonal, from angle to angle, and orthogonal, right-angled. And finally, genu turns into gnu in Old English, which eventually gave us the words knee and kneel. That's it for this week. The audio clip of Pantalone was taken from a performance of a commedia at the Teatro Alavagaria and I've linked it on our website at www.wordjourneyspodcast.com if you want to watch it, costumes and all. You should also visit the website if you would like more information on the topic, or if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for future topics. Musical selections in this episode come from the Advent Chamber Orchestra. Audio help came from Brad Rose. This is Dallas Simons. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.